0: What's going on and welcome into a Thursday edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by seakeek It's another game day edition. Normally we're Monday, Wednesday and Friday, but with the schedule being released yesterday and the Pelicans taking on the Bucks later on tonight, we thought we'd do another podcast for you. And joining me as always is Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com. Just the two of us today. Normally we do have a guest, but you know, we wanted to break down the schedule for you. Talk about how things will look for the Pelicans after the All-Star break. And we'll also talk about the win for the Pelicans last night over the Detroit Pistons, 128 to 118. I see Jim. I know you all can't see him, but he is sitting outside. A beautiful day in New Orleans. Jim, outdoor Jim, how are you, my friend?
1: <laughs> I'm doing great. You know, uh, one of, it's funny. One of the uh, other reporters uh, calls me Jimmy Sun- Sunshine when he sees me on the Zoom calls and I'm sitting outdoors. So got to take advantage of this weather, man. It, I was going to say spring is undefeated here, but it's not even really spring yet. But this time of year is still can be pretty incredible, especially after we get past a little bit of a cold spell that we had there.
0: I'm just impressed your internet is working outside. If I went outside, I wouldn't be able to talk right now. So I am very <laughs> jealous of you being able to sit outside during this wonderful weather. Um, before we get into the schedule that was released yesterday afternoon by the NBA, let's talk about the win for the Pelicans. Two straight wins now as they defeat the Detroit Pistons last night, 128 to 118, and It didn't look good early on, Jim. A slow start for the Pelicans. Pistons poured in seven threes in the first quarter, but after that, just six. It seemed like in the second half, the uh, intensity picked up on the defensive side of the ball. What did you like about the win as the Pelicans wrapped up the homestand last night?
1: It seems like one of the themes that's developing, and I know that this isn't definitely um, something that the coaching staff can really love, but it seems like lately the Pelicans have still been able to win, even in games where they haven't played great defensively, just because the offense has been at such a high level, and that was also the case last night with the point totals for both teams that you mentioned and the fact that really neither team was getting any stops in the first three quarters. seemed like in the beginning of the fourth quarter, New Orleans played a lot better defense, but one thing I noticed when I was going back and looking at really the season overall, um, the win last night against Detroit was an example of you played pretty mediocre to poor defense, still won, and coincidentally, the game against the Bucs, the first matchup against them, The rematches tonight, obviously, um, was the same thing. It was a final score of 131 to 126. So you definitely don't want to rely on that, and it's not a recipe that's going to lead to consistent basketball or probably even playoff basketball making it to the playoffs. But um, New Orleans has been able to overcome some of the shakiness and inconsistency on defense lately just by playing at a
0: level on
1: offense that's been really at the top of the league over the last few weeks.
0: And Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram are a key part of that offense. And again, last night, those two um, both combined for over 60 points. You had Zion Williamson with 32 on 13 of 18 shooting. Before we get into the schedule, uh, obviously he was announced as an all-star reserve on Tuesday night. I felt like it was much deserved. I wanted to hear uh, from you about what you thought of when Zion was, uh, was named to the all-star game, because with so much talent in the Western conference, it wasn't a guarantee that Zion was going to be able to make it, especially, Uh, unfortunately you have to consider the record for the Pelicans and that plays a big part in whether you're an all-star or not.
1: It seemed like over the last few weeks, there was kind of a sweeping change in terms of the likelihood that he would make it at least based on, if you listen to people who talk about all-star and make predictions of who they think is going to be on the roster. If you went back to, you know, maybe mid January, late January, I think people thought that there was a decent possibility that he wouldn't be on the team. But if you combine the way that he's played in February as well as the Pelicans, I think have played a little bit better. They've had come up with some pretty big wins, and then even though I know this probably wasn't a factor, he probably was already on the roster based on the coaches' voting. Um, it seemed like Sunday was kind of the cap of the stretch that he's had least recently, where um, they came back from 24 down against Boston on national TV. I know people don't necessarily like the idea of there being a narrative element of who makes the All Star game, but I, you know, sometimes I do think that 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 helps when you have a huge game like that on, on national TV and you beat beat a good team, although I know Boston's been struggling quite a bit lately. So it just seemed like it changed, you know, a lot over the, the recent stretch of games. I think it's great that he's on the, on the all-star team. Um, he would have been a lock the whole time, I think, if the Pelicans had a better record. So um, as far as just the overall picture, I think that's probably what everyone's looking at right now is over the last... 30-something games of the season to put put the, the team in a position where they're you know going to be able to make the playoffs and,
0: or at least be in one of those play-in spots. Let's talk about overall picture with the second half of the schedule. Again, as it was released yesterday afternoon, everyone likes to break it down, and, and we'll do the same thing here. Um, but at the end of the day, of course, everyone plays everyone at least twice, at least in the Eastern Conference. You'll play every team in the West three times. But when you look at the schedule, Jim – Um, I'll start with the beginning of the schedule because, look, I counted seven back-to-backs. Again, I could be wrong in that, and I'm not really a math major, but seven back-to-backs. You're also playing 36 games in 67 days, which averages less than um, every other day that you're playing basketball. So, again, the the schedule compacted to try to get everything done by the end of the regular season on May 16th. But you open up on a three-game homestand. On a back-to-back, I like the fact that you're opening up on a back-to-back because that's one of those you'll knock out with fresh legs. And also, it's a home-and-home back-to-back, so no traveling. What did you like about that beginning part of the schedule as you you wrap it up with a a nice game against the Los Angeles Clippers on Sunday, March 14th?
1: Yeah, you know, I think it was mentioned yesterday that of the seven back-to-backs that you counted, um, that I think four of them are are home-home back-to-backs. so. I don't consider those to be like full fledged back-to-backs because there's no travel. You get to sleep in your own bed. You're not going to sleep at three 3am 3 because you're checking into a hotel in a different city, the way that happens a lot. So I think that's pretty generous. Um, seven back-to-backs isn't too bad. At least I briefly saw some coverage of the other of other teams yesterday. And um, I think a couple teams have 10 or 11 back second uh, back-to-backs in the second half. So that's, that's, that's a bunch. But as far as starting the second half, I agree with you in terms of um, this doesn't necessarily mean anything based on the way the Pelicans have played this season and the results of games, but they are starting off with two teams that have really struggled. Minnesota made a coaching change recently. Cleveland had a 10 or 11 game losing streak. So, I mean, on paper, that's not a bad way to open the second half. Obviously, the third game to open the second half is is at home against the Clippers, which is one of the best teams in the league. And then you have a, a three, a brutal three game road trip in terms of opponent where you play at Portland twice and, that at, and then at Denver, then you come home and play the Lakers, Denver and Dallas. So um, the very early part, I guess, of the second half is not too bad in terms of on paper record wise of the opponents, but then it get man, it gets
0: into a pretty tough stretch right after that. Is that the most important part of the schedule? I know we'll get into the road trip at the end of the second half of the schedule, but if you look at March 14th, starting with the Clippers, and going all the way to March 29th against the Boston Celtics, you're facing the Clippers, Portland twice, Denver twice, the Lakers, Dallas, and Boston. Well, that kind of set the tone as to what the Pelicans might look like, especially with the trade deadline in the middle of that whole gauntlet as well.
1: It really could. And, I mean, that's a a pretty brutal stretch as far as – I mean, it seemed like the Pelicans had this during that early season West Coast trip where it was like, you couldn't draw up a tougher stretch of opponents that they had where they played pretty much all of the best teams in the West consecutively. They had two games in row against Utah, as we remember, we didn't realize at the time that Utah was going to be a juggernaut buzzsaw the way that they are right now, 26 and six, but, um, but yeah, going back to um, what they have at the end of March, it's, it's very difficult. And I know we're talking about the second half of the season schedule, but I actually think too, that the stretch that the Pelicans are in right now could, could drastically change the way we talk about the season and the team too. So, I mean, that, that might be for a different conversation, but I mean, um, the stretch they have coming up right now, where they're playing Milwaukee San Antonio on the road and then come back to play Utah again, finally, or the last, the third and final matchup against them this season is pretty tough as well. So yeah, this, this extended stretch coming up is going to be very difficult and I think it could, uh, it could greatly affect the way we see the season in terms of their
0: ability to make a push to get into the playoffs. Yeah, the bright side about the first half of the schedule is you concluded your season series against the Phoenix Suns where you had trouble and also the Utah Jazz, who again, look like the best team in the NBA right now. Brooklyn mm-hmm. Nets might want to say something about that, but as far as the Western Conference is concerned, another blowout win yesterday against the Lakers, I feel like Utah is going to be really tough all season long, so you get that out of the way and maybe you can steal one, on Monday against them here inside the Smoothie King Center. And speaking of good teams, the Pelicans have a ton of games at home against really good teams in the second half of the season. Jim, we mentioned you play the Clippers twice. You see the Lakers twice. You have the Denver Nuggets in for one. You have Golden State come in twice. Um, Brooklyn and Philadelphia from the east, um, as much as, you know, we talk about the home games for the first half, you look at some of the teams coming in and for fans being able to come in should be a fun time with a lot of the, the better teams coming in the Smoothie King Center. It was cool to see um, the, it, the capacity expanded to 2,700 for
1: the game against Detroit. I'm not sure what the plan is as far as down the road. I'm sure that's probably going to go up again if things keep going well in the city and in the area. Um, but, but, yeah, I mean, this the, the number of marquee opponents and big-name players, I wrote about this yesterday about how They have 14 all-stars visiting New Orleans in the second half of the schedule. So, I mean, pretty much across the board, you have so many of the best players in the league and some of the best scorers as well coming in here. So it should be pretty interesting. Um, I heard someone say this uh, about the, the, the crowd just kind of on that note real quick um, that someone mentioned the game in Boston, that the, Someone, I think it was a Sports Illustrated writer, tweeted about how the the Pelicans were pumping in so much crowd noise and it was getting ridiculous of how blatant it was. But it actually was the real crowd noise. It wasn't actually crowd noise pumped in. I think part of it was a derogatory chant towards one of the referees that was mentioned. So I thought that was really funny that um, people the crowd has been so loud with the 2,500 or 2,700 that it is now that... People who are watching on TV think that it's a fake crowd noise. So kudos to New Orleans and the fan base for being able to be that loud, even though that obviously there's a very limited capacity allowed in the Smoothie King Center right now.
0: I've also thought it was pretty asinine for someone to, uh, you know, say that a team was doing that, uh, you know, piping in a chant you know, throughout the game, which is something that <laughs> is just crazy. Have, not even here inside the arena. And you're, you're coming out with some outlandish thing about that. So I, I agree with you. It's kind of wild. And, and I have to say, I didn't even see
1: it. I heard this third hand, so I don't know exactly the details. But I thought that was funny. But, I mean, this is another podcast for another day. But the, the recklessness sometimes of, of people in our profession is a little is a little out of control. But we'll talk about that some other
0: time, maybe off the air. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Um, let's talk about the road trip at the end of the second half of the schedule, Jim. And we heard warnings. I know I, I listened to something on ESPN with, with Ryan Windhorst. This is before the schedule was released, saying that there's a chance that teams could be going from one coast to the other in the same road trip just based on trying to fit in these games in such a short amount of time. Well, it happens to the Pelicans at the very end of the season. This could be a very crucial road trip for the Pelicans of trying to chase a play-in spot. Or a playoff spot. It's a five-game road trip, um, starting on Friday, May seventh, and ending on Friday, May fourteenth. But you start off in Philadelphia and end in San Francisco to take on the Warriors. And in between, you have the Charlotte Hornets, the Memphis Grizzlies, and the Dallas Mavericks. So it is one of those trips that you go east to west and uh, could play a big factor in whether the Pelicans get into the postseason or not. Yeah how how odd
1: is that that they're they're in so started in Pennsylvania and end it in California. I know we've joked about this before on in previous seasons about does someone who, who makes the schedule need a need some map assistance with <laughs> how some of these are laid out. But I know that the, I mean, in fairness, I think the juggling act this year is out of control because of some of the postponements, including um, there's different trips that people have, the leagues had to add games to road trips that never would have been there based on having to switch everything around and and that kind of thing. But but, yeah, I mean, we, we would love for that five-game trip to to be very consequential basketball at the end of the regular season. There's been t- too many seasons lately over the last few years where the end of the season hasn't been relevant to the playoff discussion. So hopefully that happens. But, um, but yeah, I, I noticed – I, I didn't, didn't try to figure out the mileage on that road trip, but I <laughs> did note in something I wrote yesterday that they're playing games in three different time zones during that uh, trip. The only one that they're not hitting is the mountain time zone – which I think is only the only two teams in the league are Denver and Utah that play in Phoenix, I think as well that play in mountain time zone. So they almost, almost covered every time zone during that trip. And then um, finishing with golden state on that Friday and then coming back here to, it's going to be very odd, I think, to have um, such a long stretch with no home games and then come back for just that one game against the Lakers on, you know, a Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening. And hopefully that game will set up, you know, the, the continuation of the
0: season, whether it's in the playoffs or play-in for the Pelicans. Yeah, and, and you know, if it comes down to the Pelicans at Golden State, look, uh, loss-wise, the Pelicans are only two games back of Golden State right now. And, again, we don't know how things are going to end up, especially with the trade deadline of the month, what teams are going to do what. And, and Golden State might make a run and be way into the playoffs before we talk about that. But you finish off the season in the last eight games playing them three times, two uh, at home and a back-to-back, and then on the road to end that road trip, I mean, that could be very interesting going forward as far as the Golden State Warriors and not seeing them until the final eight games of the season. You'll meet them for the first time on May 3rd.
1: Yeah, I was kind of saying, jokingly saying that um, the the league has listened to some of our podcasts over the last couple of years and listened to my complaints about them s- scheduling Golden State too many times at the very beginning of the season when Golden State was a juggernaut. So this is how they're getting – toying with us and toying with me by having that many games at the very end of the season but but yeah I mean that could be that could be really interesting that is that is odd that like you said that playing them three all three times you're playing them this season are at the very end of the year obviously part of that is the whole series part of it where Golden State is going to play here twice on um, May 3rd and May 4th so we'll see what happens I mean they've Golden State's been kind of fluctuating back and forth I feel like they're one of the teams that everyone after about a week in the season was like, they're going nowhere this year. Then they get red hot and people say, you know, they're, they're going to be fine. And it just kind of goes back and forth, which, I mean, the Pelicans are probably in this boat as well. There's a lot of teams that you could say that about, we're going to have to just let it play out. Like you said, and, and see how this all unfolds in the last couple months of the season.
0: Last question for you schedule wise, and the Pelicans will deal with this twice, not as many as a lot of teams have, but you mentioned facing teams on the back to back, excuse me, trying to knock out different teams. The Pelicans will do that with Portland on March 16th and March 18th. They did it with the Utah Jazz on that long road trip earlier in January. And also the Pelicans will do it with the Golden State Warriors on a back-to-back March 3rd or May 3rd and May 4th. Do you see this trickling in the next season if everything is back to normal? um, Do you feel like there's been some positive feedback on the fact that if you're going on a long road trip or you're facing teams that you don't want to go back to that city twice because of the distance from your place to them. Do you mm-hmm. see this trickling in the next year? Do you like the fact that you're knocking out, uh, you know, road games against teams uh, in, a, in a few days span? I think from a logistical standpoint, it makes all the sense in the world to, to do it this way. I've always
1: said, I don't understand why the Pelicans will travel all the way across the country to play Portland in November and then go all the way across the country again in say March to play them a second time when you could just play them twice on the same trip. I don't know if there are ticketing concerns as far as the way that you sell tickets. It's harder to do it. If it's the same team playing, like you're playing the same team on, especially if it's not a marquee team, if you're playing them on like Tuesday night and then you're playing the same team again, Thursday. So I don't know how much that factors in. I mean, there's a million people that know way more about that than I do, but just if you set that aside, I think it, it, it makes all the sense in the world to do it this way. And also tying in with what the NBA has been talking about the last few years as far as rest and trying to reduce fatigue and trying to improve sleep. I mean, these trips where you're in the same city for multiple days, it you're never having to um, go to bed like I was talking about earlier at in the wee hours in the morning. We've had a trip in L.A. I remember where you played the Lakers and the Clippers. You get to walk back to the hotel right behind the Staples Center, and it just makes things – so much easier from that standpoint. So I think there's a million reasons why they should keep this in the, in future schedules. And there might be a reason or two not to do it that I'm not totally um, informed on, but I I like the idea. And, And one, one quick side note too, about the Pelicans. I looked this up briefly yesterday. The Pelicans actually have played in, they've only played in one series in the first half of the season and they, and they only have, I think, you just said, I think it was three, two or three in the second half. I don't know why this is, but they've played fewer. They're going by the end of the season, they're going to have played in way fewer series than a lot of teams in the NBA. If not everyone, the Spurs have already played in five. I thought maybe it was because, you know, obviously we're located in the middle of the country. And if you're Portland or somebody like that, there's a lot more incentive to schedule the series for them because they have a lot further to go. Whereas the Pelicans don't have, you know, any super long trips, but, um, like I just said, San Antonio has five. Houston's already had four. So I'm not really sure what that is, but that's just kind of a fluky side note of that. It's been cool to see that implemented in the NBA, but the Pelicans have actually participated in it far less than almost anyone else in the league has. So for yeah. whatever
0: that's worth. Yeah, it's only three for the season. It's the Utah series earlier, as I mentioned, and then it's Portland at the beginning of the second half. And then at the end, we the yeah. state. So only three combined of the Mm -hmm. season you mentioned that some teams have already knocked out more than three um in the first half of the season so yeah not sure it's just maybe the teams that you're facing um twice on the road compared to one at home remember it's not the same in, in both divisions in the western conference that you play so maybe you know the spurs only having to play other teams certain amount of times or whatever their road trips are um it'll be curious to see how that works out down the stretch and you mentioned the spurs i mean they're gonna have to play 40 games in the second half of the season just based on making up a bunch of games so as far as Chasing down a playoff uh spot, that could be another team that gets factored into the schedule to how many games they have to play. So we'll see how that all plays out. Before I let you go here, let's talk about tonight's game just for a second. It's a big one for the Pelicans. And look, Milwaukee's gonna look for some revenge after what happened um on Feb on January 29th, thirty-one to one twenty-six. Um, it's a back to back for the Pelicans, so not easy, but you do get a later tip time at eight thirty, so a little bit more rest for New Orleans. But Drew Holiday doubtful for the for the Bucks health and safety protocols. Uh, what sticks out to you about the matchup tonight against this team?
1: I hope it doesn't come down to this, but, I mean, it's, it seems very likely that the Pelicans are going to have to play really well offensively to have a chance to win this game, which is, you know, what they did last month when they played against Milwaukee. So it, it seems very hard to believe that there's too many teams in the league that can hold Milwaukee down to close to 100 points, that kind of thing. So – i think that's one of the things that i'm going to be watching for is um pelicans had a season high 21 three-pointers made in the the win against the bucks the previous time I'm not i'm not going to ask them to make 20-ish three-pointers again against milwaukee but it does seem like they're going to have to shoot threes at a pretty good level to be able to to stay in this game and, and definitely play offense that well um pelicans are first in the nba in february in offense and the, the bucks are, right there. I think they're seventh in the league. So, I mean, even with Drew holiday being out and them having some different lineup changes that the bucks have had to make, they're still, you know, such a high powered team with, with Giannis and Middleton that, um, the Pelicans are going to need to, to play, uh, really well at the offensive end. I think to be able to hang in this game, one quick stat too that I noticed today was, um, the Pelicans are, are and seven when they don't make at least 11, three pointers in road games. So they're five and three when they make 11 or more. So that's one area that I think I'm going to be paying attention to again. They're probably not going to shoot threes as well as they did the previous time against Milwaukee when they played them here, but it's an area where they can't, they've shown repeatedly this season that if they struggle in that
0: category on the road, they're, they're not going to have a good chance to win. All right. So Pelicans and bucks stay up late with us. 8:30 PM central time. You can watch it nationally on TNT, but make sure you turn down the volume and tune into ESPN New Orleans 100.3 FM with Todd Graffinini and John DeShazer on the call. If you want to read Jim's analysis on the schedule from yesterday, you can log on to Pelicans.com and the mobile app. You can also find Behind the Numbers there this afternoon with Jim. I think I got it right this time, correct? Got it right. There we go. It only took five podcasts to figure out the name of it, but (laughs) it is Behind the Numbers presented by Entergy. And Jim will have those numbers for you. It's already posted on Pelicans.com, the mobile app. And make sure to follow him on Twitter at Jim underscore Eichenhofer. No podcast tomorrow. We concluded our three for the week. We'll be back on Monday to get you ready for the Utah Jazz in a crazy finish to this first half of the season with the Jazz, Bulls, and Heat coming into this Movie King Center. For Jim, I'm Daniel. Thanks for listening to today's podcast presented by Seeky.